podcast get ready i hope you I hope your seat belts are nice and fastened and they're tight i hope they're tight because we we roll really fast yeah we get real deep in on this show now if you're a regular listener as always appreciate you tuning in today i am back with yet another absolutely incredible guy like just an awesome awesome guy that i met in a clubhouse room and, you know, just listening to him speak, listening to his story, listening to his transparency was something that was unbelievable because it meant so much. It meant so much. And I had to have him, I had to have him back on the show. He is the author of a book titled Promising the Moon by Mr. Gregory Cox. Welcome to the show, bro. Hey, well, good day, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I am so excited, man. I'm so excited to be a part of your platform and this podcast man i'm excited man uh i'm excited hey you too man you're doing some amazing things as well man i appreciate that man i appreciate that and you know i like i was just telling you before we started recording all day i've been listening to your podcast and some of the things that you have on your show and one of the things that stuck out to me was how you were kind of drawn into this relationship with god like I, I felt it on you and I, I felt, you know, the best way to start this thing off is by telling us a little bit about, you know, and you, you can get as specific as you want. This is a show that has no time limits. I'm just going to put it out there now. <laughs> just talk to us a little bit about when that moment came where you realized God is the only way I'm going to be able to get out of this situation because you started to allude to some really, really difficult things that have happened in your life. And, you know, uh, I believe the words were specifically, man, I went and found that word of God and the whole thing just changed around me. I, I really want our listeners today to, to realize that transition. So can you kind of talk about where you were before you found that word of God and then found the importance of, of having a relationship with God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I did, man. I, in, in the book, I wrote the, the, even the title from the book come from some of my struggles. Uh, I don't know if you was in the room at the time. I mentioned that I, uh, I, um, I have been uh, recovering from alcoholism and drug addiction right now. It's been over 30 years. But before I got into this recovery process, man, I lost everything. Uh, the children, the house, the job, my dignity, my self-esteem, self-worth. Because of because I chose to use dope, right? And so I was using drugs, and it was I was putting it before anything and anybody, right? And so homelessness, uh, uh, penniless, jobless, 
didn't want to work, wasn't able to work, couldn't find work, right? And so I was in the midst of, of, of a pit for real, right? And so during that time, I would promise my kids a lot of things after they was taken from me because of my drug addiction, right? Struggle with alcoholism, drug addiction, crack, heroin, right? Was, was totally strung out. And so my kids was removed from me. And as a result of that, you know, they used to see me on the streets and ask me for some change. Um, and one, one of my sons came and asked me for some change before he went to school. That morning, I had it, right? I had the change, but I didn't give it mm-hmm. to him because any sound of some change was the sound of the first bag of dope for the morning, right? I was going through the Oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? And so I, wow. I, had, I had lost it all. You know, I lost it all. And, uh, and so I was on the corner asking for nickels and dimes, man, this morning. And I said, Lord, I can't continue to do it like this. I said, I, I, I know where I'm at. I believe that you're real. Um, and so I continue to ask for nickels and dime on that corner. I got mm-hmm. about a, a dollar and 10 cents. Mm-hmm. And so a pint of wine at that time was in March. It was in 91. A pint of wine, night train. Wow. That was, that was the start of the kid. I would get a pint of night train, and that would be it. And I would go be going to the races from there. I had a dollar and mm-hmm. 10 cents to get me a pint of night train. And the bus fare was a dollar and 10 cents. And, and, I, and before I left the house, I called a treatment center because I knew I had a problem. I just didn't know where to get the help. Yeah. And sure enough, it was the divine person on the end of that line. They said, come on, we got a bed for you. Oh my goodness. I, I, I was in the kitchen that little one, little one room, one, it wasn't, I ain't gonna even say it was one bedroom. It was one room. Yeah. And I left there and um, and I went on the corner and hustled that dollar and ten cent. And at that moment, man, I had a decision to make. Either hmm. I was gonna get this pint of wine and start the day and try to get another bag of dope, or I was gonna take this dollar and ten cent and go to treat. Wow. That was March of ninety one. I honestly My believe- goodness that God spoke to me when he said that was the most intelligent decision. Well, I'm not even call it intelligent decision I made because I couldn't make no decision like that. I got on the bus, mm-hmm. went to treatment, and it's been all uphill since then. Wow. I mean, beautiful. And, and I, I think that resonates so much with a lot. It resonates a lot with me, but, but more so resonates with people every day who make those decisions, you know, that that is something that a lot of people struggle with when they have a lot of money, they have privilege and they go to the liquor store and they buy things. I mean, that just that one thing resonates so much with how we spend our money and how, how we really can feel God. You know, it's not like God's going to come down and say to you, Hey, you can't buy this wine or you, you know, there, there was a feeling of, I got little ones coming up. I got, I, I am literally rock bottom. I mean, I've spoken about myself being rock bottom in my book and in, on this very show where I've slept in my car for months and I've, you know, been snuggling, smuggling food out of hotel rooms and sneaking food, all kinds of things. And again, I can feel your point to where when you see things literally from the bottom up, and I, I know you guys are probably sick of me saying this, but I'm going to say it again just so it hits home. When you see things from the bottom up, you can receive everything. 
If the state of having nothing, you can receive everything. Now, I'm not I'm not telling you it's going to be easy because it's not. It's it's going to be a tough thing. But the subconscious will touch you in ways. He just said it, a pint of wine or a bet. Some of you guys right now listening in have a bed and you take it for granted, have a roof over your head and you take it for granted, have actually, you know, a, a house and all of these kinds of things. And you take all these things for granted. You don't realize how that one little thing changed his life. And, and man, you know, I, I could get on rambling because I'm, I'm like you, I can start preaching. too. <laughs> you know what I mean? But can you can you kind of just speak on the challenging? Like, what was your most challenging part as you started to recover? Like once you made that decision to, to sleep in that bed, how were things a challenge? Because I know it's not a process that happens overnight. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. It, it didn't happen overnight. And, and one of the things I, I was thinking about as you, as you was talking, I was thinking about the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the prodigal son. Yeah. And, and, and the Bible says that um, um, after he swindled all he had, and for someone else, let me say this to your listeners too, for someone else, it may not be been yes. it, it, it probably wasn't drugs. It probably was a relationship. It probably was the addiction of money, the addiction of, of gambling. It probably was something else. But I need for you to be able to identify with that that thing, whatever it was, brought you to your knees and it brought you to a point where you had to begin to call on God or you had to begin to do what needs to be done in order for you to change the course of your life. And I truly believe that we get to a point, like the prodigal son did, he got to a point, and the Bible says that after he swindled all, after he impressed everyone, Right, right. After everybody had left him, because that's the same thing happened to me. After my money was gone, uh, mm-hmm. it was gone. Right, and so the Bible says after he spent everything he had, and he found himself in that pig in the mud with those feeding those pigs. The Bible said he came to himself, and so I think at some point, man, I began to realize, man, that. Um, uh, I needed to change, and not only did I needed to change, but I needed to get the help that would help me change as well. The Bible says, "He who is spiritual, uh, if your brother have fallen, he who is spiritual, go back and get him and help bring him up." Right, and so mm. uh, I had to have the help from the people that had already done it, and so I had to put my faith in people that who who had already been to the bottom. They have already they have they had fallen already. But they were climbing, they was doing everything that they needed to do in order to, for number one, gain some self-worth, gain some self-esteem, uh, gain some self-value, some self-confidence, right? And so I had to surround myself around the people who was, uh, uh, who was supportive of me, right? Who was supportive of my sobriety. They was supportive of me changing my life, right? The, uh, the, 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 the subtitle of the book says, Promising the Moon, Going the Distance to Deliver. So I had to go the distance in order to make sure that I made good on my promise, right? Because now, I- now, what was that like? What was that process like, though? Because I, as someone who has gone to, I've gone to Catholic school. I've, you know, I've talked about a church that I used to attend out here in South Florida when I first got out here. Mm-hmm. It seems that religion and the judgmental type of people who go to church, it, it seems like such a blurry line between religion and the word of God. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of so many people who 
are part of the Catholic faith or even part of the Christian or whatever the religion is, they see somebody like yourself who's, you know, got nothing, probably didn't, your, your hygiene probably wasn't the best, right? <laughs> you weren't looking the best. And they say, you know, you say, look, I need help. I need help. How difficult was it to find the people that were supportive of you and, and took that judgmental, oh, I don't want, I don't want to be around that guy, you know, that homeless guy, whatever. H how difficult was it to find people that were going to support you even in your darkest, darkest times? Well, I think when I was, when I was inside, when I was inside of addiction, uh, it was only mm -hmm. I was ready and I was surrendered and was ready for help because then I wasn't looking for help. People wanted to help me, but I wasn't looking for the help. See, sometimes, oh, okay. sometimes we're not, we're not ready. We're not ready to get the help that we're receiving. Mm -hmm. We'll find excuses. We'll uh, now this. Yeah. Not this here. No, I don't want to do this. We'll find excuses, and that's what happened in the Bible when the man said, "Look, come on." He said, "No, I got to go. I got to go bury my." He said, "Let the dead bury the dead." He said, "No, I got to go. Hmm. I just bought a field. I got to." So they they found excuses, and so I think what happens is that when we're not ready, we'll find excuses not to receive the help that someone is willing to give us. And that's exactly what I did. I, 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 I wasn't ready to get the help. Oh, but when I was ready to get the help, I went to treatment. Uh -huh. the treatment and the people's in the treatment environment, uh, the 12-step program, they began to help me move and help me continue on this path of recovery and this path of change, right? And so that's what I needed at the time. I needed someone to not judge me. Come on now. Because yes. You can be real judgmental. When you just there you go. Come on, come on. Say yeah. it to him again. Say right. it to him again. Somebody, somebody need to hear that one. You know what I'm saying? And so you can be real judgmental and, 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 and want to save a certain group, but don't want to save another certain group, right? And so, yeah. uh, it's, but what we're doing now is we're educating the church now that, hey, mm -hmm. sin is sin. Uh, 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 we can't put a certain percentage on sin. Or what someone else uh -huh. is doing. you want to go get someone, you got to include everyone. And so now, yeah, and, and, like, yeah, that, well, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, that's a topic that, that'll take us another two hours, but go ahead. Okay. So we're, edu <laughs> we're educating the church now, right? With those yes. that have been through homelessness challenges and difficult times, we're educating the church because we're saying, and, 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 and the, the church now are becoming open to having small groups now life groups now that address mm -hmm. we have the marriage ministry you have the singles ministry you have the marriage ministry in my church we have a recovery ministry for years mm -hmm. i was the lead minister over the life after addiction recovery ministry right mm -hmm. and, and so what we were doing was was ministering to those who were recovering coming out of treatment as well as ministering to the family who who didn't know how to treat them uh, because they was addicted, right? And so, and so, right. we have to begin to know how to educate the people about those who are struggling with anything, whatever it is. Exactly, and you know that 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 kind of brings me to one of the main reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is because, again, we've we've kind of sort of mentioned the book, but you know, I'm just so curious on on how you know that moment that you started that 12 week, the 12 week program and, and you got things going, you know, when did it get to the point where you actually are able to become a published author now, you know, got a brand that's awesome. I checked, I mean, how exactly does that happen? Because listen, we started off this, this whole interview by me picturing 
you on the corner asking for dope, you know, a wine, you know, just just that the typical homeless guy. And now I'm looking at you got the background there. You got a big you know, banner of yourself. You're speaking. You're doing this great work. Like, how did it get to a point now where you got a book out? And if someone was to see you now, they would say, no way, no way, no way. Were you one of those dudes, man? Just, just talk to us a little bit about that process. You know, one of the things that took place was that and sometimes, man, it's, it's the connection with other people. Someone invited mm-hmm. me to the meeting. Someone, you know, part of my story, too, is that I lost my children through child welfare. Child welfare came in and they, they removed my children. So I, I had a, a child welfare case. I don't know what they call it in Florida, but here they call it mm-hmm. uh, Department of Children and Family Services. Or they may call it child, the Department of Child Services there. But anyway, I lost my children. And someone invited me to a meeting. Um, I was clean, had some time clean, had over 10 years, maybe 15 years clean. And they invited me to a meeting. And I uh, went to the meeting and I met a young lady and she said, you know, you got an amazing story. She said, do you mind helping me write a, a parent guide for parents, mm. mostly kids through child welfare? I said, sure. I said, let's do it. Let's, let's, let, let's do it. We sat down, we wrote a guide and um, it's called a get real guide to getting your kids back. And then- well. Then the next year we wrote another guy to get rid of kids to keep to get rid of guys to keeping your kids home. And so I did those guys. And so when I wrote those guys for them, I'm thinking, why don't you write your story? Tell your story. Hmm. Right? And so yeah. so after I wrote the guidebook, it opened a door. You, you hear what I'm saying? It opened a door yeah. to have some other speaking engagements. And so, so I was in Springfield, and I was speaking to a group of social workers. It was about 300 to 500. I was a keynote speaker. And then I'm wow. a social worker. You had counselors for treatment. You had social workers. You had therapists. I mean, it was, it, it, it was an amazing event. And it actually was my first time speaking to that large amount of group like that. I had been speaking, but it was the first time that I, had, I was speaking to that large amount of group. And so... Yeah. I, Got through speaking, uh, there was a line of people who wanted to congratulate me, thank me for coming out speaking. But there was this one guy. He uh, he came up by time his time came up to shake my hand. He said, "A uh, great keynote, uh, amazing message. Thank you for it." He said, "Look around." I looked around, mm. man. He said, "Tell me what you see." I looked around. I said, "I see people." He said, "Okay." What else? I said, I see mm-hmm. women, men, uh, Caucasian race. He said, no. What else you see? I looked around now. By this third time now, man, I'm like, okay, now. <laughs> it's like, what's up, bro? Come on, give it to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what, what, I'm, what, I, what I don't see. And so yeah. around, he said, um, where's your product at? It's a product. He said, yeah, you don't have a table set up. Hmm. He said, yeah, you don't have a book? You don't have a CD? So I'm puzzled, man. I'm puzzled. I went back to the hotel room and started writing. That day, I started writing my story. Hmm. And, and, and he prompted me to write my story like that, man, because I think sometimes we, 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 look, for, we look for, what okay, what do we need to do or what needs to happen for yeah. us to write and begin to tell our story. Yeah. So, I went to the hotel room and I started writing and uh, it, it took me about six months to, it, you know, I know you, it could be done in shorter time now, 
but because this was my first time writing, and then I hired an editor to just kind of help me with the whole process. Yeah. And, and after 12 months, I released Promising the Moon. I mean, I talked about hmm. my story. I talked about the addiction. I talked about the domestic violence in my home. I talked about being a single father for three years before I met uh, my ex-wife, right? And so I talked about that. Man. I talked about the challenge wow. I faced, even in recovery. I had a son who was murdered in 2004, uh, 20 years oh, old, my. murdered in Chicago, right? And I had that got him back out of child welfare, and uh, he ended up getting killed in Chicago, Illinois. So I talked about that. Uh, wow. You know, so I talked about those struggles, man, those challenges in order to get there. But um, I'm truly grateful, man. Thank God that I was able to release a, a product now. Because you know, and we know now that a book is considered to be a, a, a business card. It's a product to get you indoors now. Yeah. Uh, and now, what was the, like, for me personally, it was a very therapeutic process. And now that I have two books out, there's like, life is really different than what I expected it would be before the books, because now I, I look at it like my story's out there and I'm, I'm speaking a whole lot better. There's so many more doors opening for me, even if they're not really open. My imagination is on another level simply because they're out. You know, can you talk a little bit about how life is after the book is and what what you know, how therapeutic it was for you, obviously, it, was, it helped you get a lot of things off your chest. But now that your story's out and people can literally push a button and know everything there is to know about you, can you just kind of speak on those feelings and how you're able to, this is kind of more of a selfish question for me, like how you're able to navigate your way around this world, knowing now everything's out in the open, because that's not something that a lot of people are willing to do. Wow. People are, most people are not really as transparent. They want to kind of stay in their corner, stay in their lane. And now you, you and I are complete opposite now where, where everyone can know us as long, all they got to do is hit a play button at this point. Right. I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. And you said it at the beginning. It was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of um, healing from a lot of trauma. I, I put a lot mm -hmm. of things out there because one of the things when I wrote, one of my motivations that I, I didn't want to just have a pictures for my children. I wanted to give them a whole new roadmap. And so they can take chapters from my book and create their own book, right? And so, and so, but it was, it was some healing from some trauma, mm. addressing some trauma, um, you know, addressing the domestic violence that went on in the home, addressing being a single father, losing a child uh, in these streets of Chicago. And, 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 and I don't know if you know, you know, just well as in Florida, man, the, the, the violence here, man, it's just, you know, off, off, off the chain, man. And so, uh, yep. so but, but now after exposing all of that, right? And being able to call, mm -hmm. to be called in different arenas and different uh, platforms to be able to speak and to be able to um, be honest and to be able to talk about things that other people are not talking about. It's motivating. It's encouraging yeah. them that someone have the courage and the boldness to stand up and say, you know what? Yeah, I use dope. Yeah, I, I, I did some things that I wasn't pleased of being. But right now, the motive now is to not only continue where I'm at, but help the youth uh, who are struggling with addiction, help someone else who's struggling with addiction. So right now, I love it. I, I love the opportunity to speak, yeah. to go out and let someone know that um, uh, I, I created a curriculum, a substance abuse mm -hmm. curriculum. The book is part of a curriculum. And, 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 and yeah. also, I was, uh, I was called with uh, SIU, 
Southern Illinois University to, uh, to speak to their students. Um, and as a result of that, they put my book as part of the syllabus, right? Wow. For the social worker 101 syllabus. And they had me to come out and speak to the students. And so it just opened up a lot of doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually what I was going to ask you next is, you know, what what is next? Because, <clears throat> excuse me, I know there's a lot of folks listening in now who are truly, truly inspired by your story. And, I, you know, just talk a little bit about what's coming down the pipeline. You've already alluded to some things, but anyone now that's out there listening that, that wants to get in touch or wants to see you at a at a keynote or however they can, you know, connect with you in any way, feel free to share now. Absolutely. Hey, thank you, sir. Um, I'm actually on Instagram at, uh, at Greg1963G. I'm also on LinkedIn as well as Facebook. Um, the name is the same, Greg C at uh, 1963. Um, right now, I'm, I'm strengthening um, for number one, my podcast. I'm strengthening my podcast as well, as well as mm -hmm. um, just continue. I'm writing, again, I'm actually writing a devotion that would be ready by the end of the year because I want it ready by December so it can be done. Yes. Really devotion. So that's what I'm working on now. Uh, addressing trauma. How do we motivate yeah. ourselves after dealing with trauma? How do we continue to motivate others after, who, who've experienced trauma and have them to continue to, um, to address their trauma, right? Uh, and find recovery. So I'm excited. Wow. I'm, I'm totally excited. Uh, definitely for this opportunity, man. This is uh, just amazing, uh, just to uh, just to be talking with you and having this conversation. You know? Absolutely, absolutely, man. And and I appreciate you jumping on. I want to be very respectful of your time. I know you're you're a busy guy. So before I let you go, though, I want to kind of put you in a scenario. You know, just kind of imagine. You know, thirty years ago, you know, you're homeless. You're struggling. Your kids are you know doing their thing and you're just really losing it. Just imagine you're in a room full of about 100 to 200 people just like that. And just, I want you to kind of close. I'll give you the last word. Just close with any words of wisdom or anything that you want to express to those people. Because I, my mission has been to get this show in the ears and in the hearts of folks just like that who has, who've, like you and I have had to sleep in their cars, have had to sleep nights where they don't have a house to know that feeling, to have that feeling of rock bottom. I, I, I cannot stress it enough. I've been there, brother Greg, and it is a humbling experience. It's a humbling experience in so many ways. And I, I, this is coming from the heart, but I appreciate you being so transparent enough to share that because it strengthens us. And it's like, we can do it it's one day. It's one night, guys. It's one night. That's it. It's just one night. <laughs> so before I before I get on my soapbox, let me let you go because I can I can get emotional just by by thinking about it and thinking about those feelings. But I'll let you go. And, and, and anyone that's out there listening that that isn't sleeping in their house that doesn't have anywhere to sleep tonight, even just keep rolling. It's just one night. There's a long, long road ahead. But go ahead, Greg. I'll, yeah. I'll give you the last word. One, one, of the things, one of the things I would tell them is that. Um, I know the pain uh, of being hurt, of being disappointed, of being let down, mm -hmm. of being broken. I know the pain of being broke and homelessness. Um, I know the pain of crying at night and, 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 and not knowing how can I get out of this and how did I get here for number one. 
I know that pain and that pain is real. So first of all, I would definitely want to let them know and validate them and say, look, what you are experiencing is real, is yours. But when I experienced it, one of the things that I did is I sought the help that I thought that would be able to help me. And then when they gave me the help, I utilized every suggestion, everything they told me to do. I used it and it continued to build me up and it took some time. It wasn't an overnight thing. It took some time. I had, I had people have to encourage me. They had to inspire me. They had to motivate me. I had to begin to read affirmations. I had to begin to try to uh, 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 reprogram the way I was thinking that yeah, just because I've fallen, that does not mean that I can stay here or I have to stay here. I tell people all the time, I say, use what you went through as a stew, as a stepping stone and a stew to rise you up. Because that right there, what you went through, the challenges and the difficult times, even that you may be in right now, use that as a mean of a platform. We come up on the stage and when you up on the stage, you are a little bit higher than the people that's in the audience. And I say, use mm. that story that challenge that you went through, step on it and use it as a platform because that's exactly mm. what our story can do is use is be used as a platform and people be inspired because they want to know how did you get there? How did you get to a point? And that's how I got there. When I got the help or when I sought for the help and they told me what to do, I did it. Go over here. I went over there. They said, go back over here. I went over there. They said, do this. I did that. And so I think it gets to a point where, though, I have to believe that if, that I can't go no further. And where I'm at now is that in you telling me to do certain things, I can't do nothing else but go further and go, go further help, right? Along with God, because, see, I was mad at God. I was mad at God because in my mind, how can that be mm. a God? And, 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 and all of this have happened to me. And so mm. I have to surrender to the fact that, hey, look, it wasn't God. I made mm. those decisions. I had to acknowledge the fact and some things that I went through and I did. It was personal. I did it myself. God wasn't missing. I was just lost. And I had to be found. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Amen, man. Amen. Hallelujah. And I, I think it you are gonna touch a whole lot of hearts with this one because it especially with COVID, you know, homelessness is on the rise and even some people are living at a home, they feel like they're homeless because you know, they, they can't get out to work and there are a lot of people who've hid behind work and all those things. And again, I've said it before on this show, but that vulnerability, it leads to your victory. Stop hiding people, stop it, it's not worth it. The resources are there, the people are there to pull you out of a situation and put yourself in a, a place where God is directing your steps. It's the loneliest place in the world for you to go try to direct your steps on your own. Take God with you wherever you go. Take God with you. And that, that's the bottom line of this episode. We could end the whole interview with that one. Take God with you wherever you go. I don't know where you're going to go, but if you don't take God with you, you ain't going to get too far. And that's a that's a mic drop moment on that one, brother. Brother Greg, appreciate you jumping on, man. Looking forward to staying up with you. We're going to do some big, big things. I'm, I'm excited now. You got me pumped up. I'm ready to roll. We're going to the weekend. It's going to be some good stuff. Fellow teammates, as always, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Thank you, sir. We at war. We at war with terrorism. 
racism But most of all, we are war with ourselves God show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down Young and restless, oh, restless nigga. Might snatch your necklace and next these nigga. Might jack your Lexus Somebody tell these nigga. who Kanye West is I walk through the valley of the shower death is Top floor, if you alone and leave you breathless <gasps> Try to catch it, it's kinda hard getting choked by the Texas Yeah, yeah, now check the method They be asking us questions, harassing arresters Saying we eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast, huh? Y'all eat pieces of shit? What's the basis? We ain't going nowhere but Got suits and cases, a trunk full of coke, rental car from Avis. My mama used to say only Jesus could save us. Well, mama, I know I act a fool, but I'll be gone to November. I got packs to move. I hope God show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. The only thing that I pray is that my feet don't fail me now. And I don't think there's nothing I could do now to right my wrongs. I wanna talk to God, but I'm afraid cause we ain't spoken so long God show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down The only thing that I pray is that my feet don't fail me now And I don't think there's nothing I can do now to right my wrongs I wanna talk to God, but I'm afraid cause we ain't spoken so long To the hustlers, killers, murderers, drug dealers, even the scrippers To the victims of welfare, feel we living in hell here, hell yeah Now hear he, hear he, wanna see thee more clearly I know he hear me when my feet get weary Cause we're the almost nearly extinct We rappers as role models, we rap, we don't think I ain't here to argue about his facial features But here to convert atheists into believers I'm just trying to say the way school need teachers The way Kathleen needed Regis, that's the way I need Jesus So here go my single dog, radio needs this They said you can rap about anything except for Jesus That means gun, sex, lies, videotape But if I talk about God, my record won't get played, huh? Well, if this take away from my spins Would you probably take away from my ends? Then I hope it take away from my sins And bring the day that I'm dreaming about Next time I'm in the club, everybody's screaming out God show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down The only thing that I pray is that my feet don't fail me now